WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello. Coming up next, Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel. Stay tuned. Think the bassoon is only for grandfather? This week on Something Old, Something New, it's not your grandfather's bassoon. We'll hear classics by Weber and Hummel and contemporary works by Larson, Montano, and Laws. That's Thursday at noon on Something Old, Something New, a marriage of classic and contemporary music. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. What is guiding people's decisions about whether or not to lease their land for gas drilling? And at what point do the rights of the individual diminish in the face of the health of an entire area? What role does water itself have on the ability for an area to survive by providing for itself? What impact is this having not only on the communities in the shale regions, but also on the national dialogue and policymaking decisions around energy extraction? What defines the American dream and how does it impact the decisions being made in our communities? Trailer Talk's Marcella Shale Water Project explores the impact of natural gas drilling in our neighborhoods. Local culture, generations of history, and beloved homes can be lost when the oil and gas companies, intent on fossil fuel extraction, move into a new region. I'm at Willow Wisp Organic Farm. I am in Abrahamsville, Pennsylvania, which is in the township of Damascus, Pennsylvania, four miles from Calicoon, New York. We're in the Delaware River Valley region. And I'm sitting here with Farmer Greg, with Greg Swartz, who is Will-O-Wisp Organic Farm. Greg, you just picked amazing vegetables for me, and I'm very excited about everything. It's almost November, so to have fresh-picked vegetables now as we're heading into winter is miraculous, I think. But I know it comes from a lot of your hard work. So I want to talk to you about your farm about the vegetables you're sharing with us, and also about the Marcella shale and natural gas drilling. Well, fortunately, um, so far, there's no direct impact on this year's harvest from the Marcella shale. Uh, here at Willow-Wisp, we have 12 acres of land, about four of which is intensively cultivated for vegetables, and over the next couple of years, there'll be more and more land under cultivation, but we grow about 40 different kinds of vegetables as well as herbs and cut flowers. As you said, we're located in Damascus, Pennsylvania and Wayne County, which is uh, in a sense ground zero uh, for the fight for and against gas drilling in the Marcellus Shale region. We're in a pretty interesting situation because 85% uh, of the land base in Damascus Township has been leased uh, and so here at the farm, when you stand on the farm and look around 360 degrees, every single piece of land except for one small half acre or acre parcel, every tree and blade of grass and stream is leased land, which means that the uh, gas companies have secured the right to drill on all of that land surrounding us. 
Um, the state of things in in uh, the Delaware River Basin currently are that they've drilled uh, three test wells or exploratory wells in Wayne County this summer. Uh, they have, uh, let's see, 11 more uh, ready to go that they'll do in the spring. So they do these test wells as a precursor to full-blown development to do in their statements, uh, the gas drilling company statements anyways, to do geologic testing to look at the different strata and to get a read on uh, the quality of the gas. And on my way to your farm, Greg, I passed one of these test well sites not far from here, about a third of a mile away from your home. And could you share with us who put that there? What's the story with that land? And what has the experience been with the drilling and knowing that that is so close to your home? Sure. So the the land uh, where this test well was drilled this summer is uh, owned by a group of investors called the Woodland Management Partners, which, as best as I know, is actually a group of regional uh, investors uh, that have bought land in the region, sometimes for the investment in uh, in timber, and then recently, in the recent years, as an investment in the Marcellus Shale. So it's not even a, uh, an owner that lives there. It is uh, purely for, uh, for uh, an investment reason. So in June of this year, the uh, bulldozers and excavators arrived to do site prep uh, for the well pad. So that was a couple of weeks of uh, pretty intensive uh, activity. They did all the preparations, and then uh, one night in June illuminated the well site, which uh, was a pretty radical change to the night skyline in this area. Sitting on our front porch, looking over our barn and field and greenhouse, all of a sudden we had this uh, pretty intense amount of light coming from the well pad. Then uh, in July, they erected the drill rig, in fact, it was uh, it became visible to our eye, uh, rising above the tree line on July 18th, which is a significant date because it's uh, the day that my son was born. And so on his second birthday, when we were having a birthday party here outside for him and a friend, uh, suddenly we saw this well rig and the crane erecting the well rig uh, uh, pop up from, from above the, the tree line. Not long after that, they started drilling. They drilled throughout the balance of July and into August. Uh, and that was pretty intense in terms of uh, sound, uh, as well as increased uh, truck traffic, you know, servicing the well um, on Calicoon Road, which is just about a quarter of a mile from, from the farm. So it was uh, unpleasant. Uh, it was uh, a wake-up call, quite literally, even in the middle of the night, that uh, that this development is coming. It is here. It is going to happen. And uh, so it really brought the whole issue, which has kind of been something of a phantom uh, issue for the past few years for us. We've been engaged and been researching and been learning and been talking, but to have suddenly then physically have that rig right there is, uh, like I said, it was a pretty big wake-up call. And the gas company that set up this test well site? Do you know anything about them? Did you have to do research to find out who they are? And what has the experience been as you're describing it as being a wake-up call for you to have this natural gas well right here now in your neighborhood? Um, so ha 
as you say, it's, it was very bright, 24 hours a day. For how long? From June until September. The, the site was illuminated all night, every night. And we're talking about farmland here, rural community. I mean, there are no street lights. Very, very peaceful place. Uh, looking out the windows to your farm and to these fields and these beautiful rolling hills. And not far from here is the Delaware River. And that's another thing to be mentioned. Indeed. And what, what's particularly curious about this well site is that um, a portion of the actual parcel that the well sits on um, in, does, in fact, lay within the river district, which is curious. You know, the well itself is not within the river district. And I guess background to what I mean by river district, it is a zoning designation uh, within the township uh, that is put there to uh, limit certain activities uh, to protect the health of, of the river. That's one layer of what a river district is. And then, of course, there is the federal designation of the what, a river, what the river corridor is uh, as interpreted through the River Management Plan and National Park Service, et cetera. All of that mumbo-jumbo is to say it is really close to the river. In fact, when you look at aerial photos of this well site, you see the you see the well pad on the top of this ridge, and then you see how that ridge cascades down immediately into the Delaware River. You would also notice at the base of the ridge where the driveway entrance off the state road is that there is a high-quality creek called Hollister Creek, which that as well flows uh, within the, the course of uh, less than a mile as the creek flows uh, directly into the Delaware River. So concerns there are, you know, obviously that uh, for any surface accident, uh, that any any accident, any mishap, any mistake is going to have a very quick and swift impact on the entire Delaware from here downriver. And we're talking about fracking because that's the technique that is being used currently. And this is the Halliburton-designed uh, technique of accessing this gas in the shale. And so, right. so, what, so we should say, to be clear, too, that the, the drilling that has happened in the Delaware River Basin thus far in this woodland site by our farm was not fracked. Uh, they do not have permission yet from the Delaware River Basin Commission to frack these are uh, quote-unquote test wells, which um, have some vagueness in terms of uh, in terms of their regulatory status. Uh, but what it means is that that it was a vertical test drill. It was just a vertical drill. There was some water and other fluids used in the process, but it is not a uh, it was not hydraulically fractured. That that is what will be coming. That is the next stage of development. That would be the next stage. Yeah. And at this point, they don't have the green light to go ahead, but they're set up and ready if they're given that. Correct. So is that – and what are they testing at this point? Do you know what that means? I've not put a lot of time into researching the particulars, but I do know that they are taking core samples um, for the whole length of the, the drill, uh, of, the, of the well bore, you know, to be looking at what the different geological formations and all the different strata are, as well as to get a read on the quality of gas that they hit when they just do that vertical well into the Marcellus. And Greg, what is it for you? How did you come to the decision that you've come to that you want to see more studies done, that you are fighting to stop fracking, and that 
So how did you come? I'd say if you could share with us how you came to your decision and also how that ties into what you're doing with organic farming. The first really big red flag uh, and, and uh, that I learned, and I learned it early on once we started hearing about uh, about what, what fracking was, was the fact that, uh, as has been often quoted and stated, that in the 2005 Energy Act that uh, gas and oil exploration was exempted from the Clean Water Act. Now, you should go read the Clean Water Act. It's pretty interesting reading if you have a little bit of patience. The Clean Water Act is not extreme environmental legislation. It's actually baseline legislation. And of particular interest, you know, in this area is that the Delaware River was quite a mess uh, in the 50s and 60s. And in large part, it became, it got cleaned up because of legislation like the Clean Water Act. I mean, Clean Water Act, you can boil it down and say, no, you cannot dump chemicals into the, into, uh, into a river or a stream. You have to treat it, that it has to be uh, regulated in terms of volumes and content, etc. So you have to ask yourself the question, if this process, which the gas companies and lessors have repeatedly stated is inherently safe, why did they need the exemption from the 2005 Energy Act, in the 2005 Energy Act from the Clean Water Act? Um, it's also noteworthy to realize that the gas lobbyists in 2005 spent tens of millions of dollars on the lobbying effort to get that exemption included. And when you ask uh, people that are in favor of, uh, of this technology, um, they can't answer that. I've asked repeatedly. I've asked gas company representatives. I've asked my neighbors. Um, I've asked uh, other ad drilling advocates, and I've not yet heard a good answer. You know, they people want to dance around and say, well, it was new at that point, and the technology was new at that point, that they, they just, uh, they just uh, uh, you know, that's how they finish the answer. They can't, there's, because there's no, there's no way to evade the clear and rational fact that there is an inherent contradiction with utilizing this technology and what the Clean Water Act is legislating. So for you, that you said that was your first red flag. That was the first red flag. And what has continued as you have educated and informed yourself about this process of extracting natural gas? First is uh, the water consumption for each well. Five to seven million gallons per fracking job per well. We need to remember that some wells are fracked multiple times. Uh, when you multiply five to seven million gallons times however many wells are in any given watershed, uh, it becomes a significant consumptive water use that can change uh, the hydrology of that watershed. And you have an organic produce farm, so could you talk about the water that's needed for growing the vegetables and the herbs and the flowers that are part of your business here? Yeah, we rely on clean, potable water, not only for our drinking use, uh, but also for the irrigation of our crops and for the washing of all our, ve our vegetables. Everything gets washed and processed before it goes to market. So uh, without water, we would be out of business pretty quickly. So it's, yeah, it's a very big deal. And, you know, it's symbolic, I think, of for all of us because our business is about growing food for 
sustaining people. And so if a vegetable farm requires water to feed people, then it's not really all that big of a leap to say that we need water in order to sustain humans in general and that we should really consider any actions that we take that are going to threaten the quality of water. And what could happen? You're very involved with organic farming throughout the Northeast. You were the director of NOFA New York, and there's a philosophy that goes along with that organization and what you're doing here with sustainability and the methods which you use and the oath that you've taken as a farmer uh, and your relationship to the land. So what potentially could happen if natural gas drilling is allowed to move forward unregulated and unsafe? Well, water quality and quantity could be compromised. Now, that means a lot of different things. That means that the aquifer uh, could be contaminated. That means that we could have ground uh, surface water contamination that would thereby impact soil quality. Uh, if you were standing here at the farm, you'd see that we are in a valley bottom and that, in fact, there are a number of square miles. I've never done the math, but you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 square miles of land that actually drain through our farm, uh, through the, the creek and uh, drainage areas and wetland that, that are right on our farm. So any of the any potential surface spills could migrate right here, thereby compromising the life in soil. And, you know, and that, that is a key piece of this, that we have to, I mean, this goes into the larger issue of what organic farming is. Briefly, by having healthy soil, you grow healthy crops and healthy animals to give sustenance to humans. The, the quality and, and nutrient density of food is based on the quality and diversity of soil. Soil is a living organism. You know, when you take a handful of soil, pick up a handful of soil, there are billions of organisms in that one handful. And the complexity of that and diversity of that soil community is what uh, creates the end product of a healthy plant. So that goes to how you farm, but it also goes to how the environmental impacts of any given activity are going to have implications on on the ability to grow food and the quality of that food. So it's it's big, it's big. Now there's another really potential big potential impact from gas drilling that is not often talked about. There's the immediacy of the possibility of contaminating and contaminating an aquifer or changing the way in which water flows underground to decrease the volume of water coming from an aquifer. There's the obvious contamination issues of a surface spill. But then we also really need to talk about what happens when you inject 5 to 7 million gallons of water, chemicals and sand, under pressure, underground, with X percentage coming back out. You know, that's the wastewater that gets uh, then chucked away and, and uh, quote-unquote treated. But then the other issue is, what about that water that stays down there? What happens in the different strata of the earth over time? And I'm not talking about a month. I'm not even talking about a year. What is the long-term implicate? What are the long-term implications of mixing the different strata, as well as injecting these chemicals down there? That's a, that is a big, big issue. And you know, as a as a 
measure of any human activity. Uh, you know, when sustainability is this buzzword now, well, the best definition and everyone that is listening to this has heard this a million times, but the best definition, the best formula for measuring our activities has to go back to the Iroquois formulation that says that anything that I do shall have no adverse impacts seven generations forward. So in talking about what you're facing here in your home, on your farm, being surrounded by leased land for natural gas drilling, a test well site about a third of a mile away. What for you are you, I guess the question is how is this, because it's such a large thing, isn't it? Uh, it's so big, but for you now, it's very personal what's happening. And you were describing Greg, uh, we got up to the point of uh, the noise, the lights, uh, and I'm wondering if you could, and to July 18th, which is the the birthday of your son, who's now two years old, and and now we're at October 27th. If you could share with me what happened, you talked about a smell, uh, and I'm just wondering because this brings up individual rights, uh, property owner rights. It brings up questions of who's responsible when activity, this kind of extraction is happening in a neighborhood. You know, who do you go to? Who can you contact? Health issues, uh, dangers. We're hearing about uh, all kinds of chemical spills and leaks and contaminated water in even not far from you throughout regions of Pennsylvania. And of course, Dimmick is considered now ground zero of that and kind of the example of what can go wrong, right, in the, in the most extreme kinds of ways. But, you know, you're talking about being responsible to the land and to future generations, and uh, you've committed your life to this as an organic farmer. And you would be considered what what are like a new generation of farmer or like a younger uh farmer that's coming into this business now uh so this is very relevant because if we here locally uh, regionally and then nationally lose our farmland and we lose farmers and we lose a younger generation of farmer who wants to make this their life's work we're in trouble aren't we yeah i mean i i am uh i am an extremely good example and i'm saying this with no no uh exceedingly high opinion of myself but i'm i'm an extremely good example of first and foremost strong long-term sustainable economic development and secondly, uh, of an example of what the next generation of farmers are going to look like. I don't come from a farming background. I spent a lot of years learning the craft of farming from mentors and books and traveling and conferences, etc. And after spending all that time learning it, uh, pulled the trigger and invested uh, six figures, big six figures, of dollars into this operation in terms of not only buying the land, uh, but also investing in all the equipment and infrastructure to make it happen. Um, so now that investment and that decision uh, is, is uh, <laughs> it's questionable whether it was a good investment decision. Um, and in fact, 
last winter, the winter of uh, of 2009 into 2010, my wife Tannis and I had the very hard conversation, do we pull out now? We had already invested money in the farm in terms of the land and, you know, some infrastructure, but this past year we, we invested a lot more money in the, in the infrastructure. And we had the conversation. We said, do we pull out now? Uh, save at least some of that capital and leave, or do we stay? And we, uh, we're talking right now. So we decided to stay. The reasons were this number one, we have both invested uh, more than a decade in terms of living in this community. We are really deeply vested in this community, uh, through our work, through our friends, our relationships, through all the organizations we're involved with, uh, uh, Tannis, uh, in terms of creating a, a space for uh, performance and creating uh, creating work. She's a, a an actor. Um, all these things that we've invested, not money. When I say invested in this sense, we have not not in terms of what we've invested in money, but in terms of place and in terms of people. And we decided we weren't willing to give that up. With a caveat, it's we were not willing to give it up yet. I mean, there may come a point where uh, we have to make a decision first for our health and the health of our son, um, and uh, probably not too far after that decision is made, we have to make the decision that we can not, in good conscience, sell vegetables to people if there is any possibility of contamination. So there, that is looming there, and that is a daily thought. It uh, it has made uh, made it very complicated to do the work of farming, which is a long-term work. You know, actions today are going to, are going to yield things years or decades down the line. And so we made this decision on this calculation. If we decide we have to leave, um, we are hoping that we'll be able to sell our land. My calculation is that I think based on what happens in other areas where fracking is occurring that we'll get at least 50% of the value of our land. Uh, if we do get that, we'll be able to wipe out our debt. And that means that we'll be able to leave here debt-free and broke. And I, we, Tannis and I both decided we can, we can do that. We can start over broke without debt. Can't start over broke with debt. That's impossible to unbury yourself from. So, so we're going for it. We're putting our everything into this and uh and in the meantime hoping that uh hoping that it that we won't be put out of business and these are big decisions and it's challenging isn't it to live with this sort of decision looming um because it's it's personal and it's it's also representing what's happening a mentality that is happening throughout the country, mm -hmm. uh, but we can even look globally to what's happening still with fossil fuel extraction. Yeah, and the, and the complexity of that, of that system and, then, and that decision, you know, you can, it can be that you, you can evaluate that in an intellectual way. You can even start to evaluate it emotionally when things are starting to percolate in your community. But, you know, I said before that, that it became, that the, the intensity of gastroing in our region became, you know, ratcheted up as soon as we saw this rig in July. Well, it, things took another step up in September. You know, I'm saying that we have to, at some point, we may have to make the decision based on the health of my family and the ability to grow and sell healthy food. 
is based on what's happening around us. Well, in September, this Woodland Management Partners site, um, at that stage, they had completed the drilling. They had moved the rig from here to Milanville to the crumb site where they were doing the next test well. So the rig was gone. And on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, we were picking for market, picking vegetables for market, and we smelled this really strong, intense sulfur odor. Smelled it, said, huh, didn't quite know what to do with it. We were running around getting for market, didn't do anything about it, went to market. The next day, Monday, Labor Day, the smell was there again. So uh, we called the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection's emergency response line. Uh, there was an answering service. They said uh, that uh, they would pay, immediately page the appropriate person. And it was Labor Day, so they didn't have a staff person there. The way it's supposed to work, they're supposed to page the person. We never heard anything. So uh, as you might imagine, you know, we were slightly concerned that the uh, government agency specifically charged with regulating and inspecting oil and gas activity, as enabled by the Pennsylvania Oil and Gas Act, were AWOL. They were not there. To find out more, you can go to willowwisporganic.com. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. Get a personal look at the political tensions in Poland, Turkey, and Hungary. Practically, we have a one-party system. It's very, very controversial what's going on. And author Francis Mays wants you to explore the back roads of Italy to find the untouristy small town of your dreams. I hear all the time, oh, Tuscany's overrun. It's not. It's on the next Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday afternoon at 2.00.